Thanks for tuning to Digital Voices Podcast, where we chat digital transformation, challenges and opportunities across healthcare and life sciences. And now, your host, Ed Marks. Excited to have you on another drop of Digital Voices. As you know, the Digital Voices is aimed to bring together chief digital officers and those who report to them across all of health and life sciences, breaking down barriers and silos. And today we will be speaking with a former colleague, but current friend of mine, Tom Castles. And we'll allow him to introduce himself a little bit here in a second, and we'll go a little bit deeper, but we're going to talk all things digital from the perspectives of startups and advisory services and some of the innovation and disruption that's taking place. And and Tom brings an excellent uh, point of view, given his background and as CEO of Rock Health. So really excited about that. And Sydney, before we dive in with Tom, you know, I know startups have this like a magical allure, especially perhaps to the younger generation. You know, what 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 do you and your peers think about when you think about startups and, and, and is that something attractive to you? And did you think about perhaps joining one at one yeah, point? I think there's something very attractive about startups. Um, I think because especially when they start out so small and if you can join at the that beginning stage, you there's such an emphasis on like um, employee well-being, and I think they're just, everyone just gets really close, and it makes a really tight-knit group of employees that work together. Um, and then also, I think there's a lot of room to grow too in startups and work your way up. So that's definitely attractive. Not that I want you to go anyplace, Sydney. <laughs> so you're you're the best engineer DJ out there for podcasts, and so I really appreciate. Uh, serving with you. But yeah, Tom and I go back a little ways. So we first met at the advisory board where Tom has spent uh, many years and he'll get into that a little bit. And then from there, we both went our separate ways. And with that, I just want to welcome Tom. So Tom, welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much for having me. So Tom, as you know, we have two standard questions we ask every guest. And the first one is favorite music. So like when you're just chilling, what kind of music do you like to listen to? Um, Pretty eclectic. Um, my sons make fun of me for it. So um, I range from Johnny Cash to Chucha Valdez to Imogen Heap and The Cure. So it's a little bit all over the place. Yeah, no, that's 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 very cool. And what about sort of what's your driver in life? Do you have like a life mantra message or, you know, something that provides you that sort of energy go to gojo, um, you know, each day? You know, um, since the start of the pandemic, um, I, I, I will, uh, I, I won't claim to, uh, take this from anything other than, uh, Ted Lasso, uh, but, uh, be, be curious, not judgmental. Um, I, it, genuinely, um, kind of what I, what I learned, uh, you know, 15 years at the advisory board and, um, the, the, the rest of my career is curiosity is, um, a very, uh, very valuable tool. Uh, and that's, that's what I, that's what I kind of hang my hat on. Love it. And I love the, the Ted Lasso name drop. So I'm a big Ted fan. <laughs> can't wait for the newest season should be dropping, dropping soon. I can't wait. 
Absolutely. So let's talk first about yourself. So I gave you a very high level introduction, but you have this interesting background. Can you sort of share with us your background and then how you came to, you know, be CEO of Rock Health? Sure. Um, and and I, sh- I should make one quick uh, uh, disclaimer. Um, I'm the president of Rock Health. Uh, Bill Evans is our CEO and uh, a, a good, good friend. So he won't feel bad about uh, the, the little mistake. Um, he is one of the most humble leaders I've ever worked with. So uh, I'm lucky for that. Uh, but, you know, my, my story is kind of interesting. So out of undergrad, I was a grade school teacher in uh, Camden, New Jersey. Uh, easily the hardest job I've ever had. Uh, I taught remedial math and English in a parochial school. Uh, and um, I was afraid every day for the first five months. Uh, you know, how do you, how do you actually connect with, uh, with, with young children when I was pretty much a child myself at 21? Right. Uh, and, and how do you, how do you communicate and teach? Uh, after I left teaching, I found myself at the advisory board company and, um, you know, this, this was an opportunity that was presented to me. I knew nothing about healthcare. Um, but, uh, I, I, I got lucky and, um, some, some core people like, Chaz Rhodes, uh, Richard Schwartz, who runs Health Evolution now, um, really took a bet on me and kind of what, you know, what shrinks it all down is something that happened my first day. Um, My first day at the advisory board, uh, my then manager uh, was out sick and we had a a phone call uh, scheduled with Joel Allison who was the CEO um, at uh, what was then uh, Baylor, uh, now Baylor Scott and White Health. And uh, the rest of my team, uh, the analysts were like, oh, we'll reschedule. Uh, And I said, no, no, no. You know, it's just a, just a, a, a say hi, it says on my calendar. And so got into a conversation with, with Joel, uh, about what kept him up at night. And after he, uh, you know, stopped, I I said, I don't understand any of the things that you just said. Uh, and I think he was blown away that I was so (laughs) honestly stupid. Um, and he was like, well, if you really want to know, why don't you come down and, shadow for a few days. Wow. And that's what healthcare um, is to me. That incredible generosity to, to not be so put off by this, you know, um, happy idiot, um, but to invite me into an organization um, to start to understand uh, and what that allowed me to do is kind of what I did in the classroom. Um, understand, okay, well, you know, 
health system executives and health plan executives and life science executives are coming from where they're coming from. How I connect with them and how I can help them has everything to do with my willingness to understand and ask questions that, you know, others might just assume the answer to. Uh, and, and then do my very best to help them make good choices. Um, so not to say that health system executives are a lot like sixth graders, uh, <laughs> but uh, they respond similarly to me, I guess. Yeah, no, that's, that is a unique background and I love it. And I love the story about Joel. Yeah. He's great. He was a great leader there and helped bring together the Baylor Scott and White and yeah. Uh, good stuff. I love it. So you're, First and foremost, uh, a leader, you know, and, and you talked already a little bit about your, your evolution. What do you do today? So, you know, a lot of people listening to CDOs are, are leaders. And what, what do you do for, to sharpen the saw today? Uh, people are interested, you know, what others are doing. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. Um, in the last year and a half, uh, Rock Health, uh, since I joined, um, went from about eight people to uh, almost 30 now. And the thing that I did when I started and what I do with every, uh, every person I interview, I, I ask one question, which is, what do I have to know about you to know you? Uh, and I think knowing people at the level of who they are is the first step to being able to build trust in what what role they they're going to play um, at Rock Health and for our members and clients and founders. Um, so I do that um, religiously uh, when I when I first meet people. And the other thing is just um, you know if I have thirty one days in a month. Uh, I, I want to talk to 31 people outside of my organization. Uh, and, and that can be, like I said, um, members of our market intelligence, uh, group, um, uh, investors, other investors, uh, in, in digital health and, and definitely founders, both inside our portfolio and beyond, um, to, to grasp what, what's really going on for them um, to give me a sense of, you know, clarity that I'm not the only crazy person in the world. um, But also um, a sense of perspective uh, for the, you know, what we, what we are really feel a responsibility for, which is um, to, to be able to convene the whole ecosystem of digital health. Um, and it's hard to do that if you don't have a finger on the pulse of people outside. Right. The organization. Yeah, no, that's, that's great counsel. So I want to dive now deeper into sort of digital health and, and trends that we're seeing and things of that nature. But before we get there, just to set the context, it might be helpful for people to understand a little bit about rock health and the type of, companies that you look to invest in uh, because then when we dive into digital health, it'll, it'll form that help shape that perspective. Sure. So 
Um, Rock Health uh, was originally founded um, by Hallie Tecco and Nate Gross, um, largely as I would say um, the biggest advocacy organization for bringing technology together with medicine. Uh, and what we've done, um, I think, uh, you know, in, in all humility over 10 years, and I, I'm only in two, um, is, you know, keep our eyes focused on, um, what is the largest possible constituency we can bring, um, research and, and information to about digital health, um, Part of the way that we do that is investing. Uh, and the companies that we look to invest in, um, you know, it's kind of our DNA, um, digital health infrastructure companies. So think of, um, you know, recent investments we've made in uh, Ribbon Health uh, focused on transparency into physician uh, uh, networks. Uh, Zeus Health, um, you know, uh, really trying to build a, a platform on which you can actually speed up the development of new digital health solutions. Um, that's one category. Um, you know, another category is care models that are integrated offline and online. Uh, so we've invested in um, companies like Brightline in the pediatric behavioral health space, um, uh, uh, Equip in the um, eating disorder space, uh, and ULA in the, um, the kind of integrated um, uh, birthing and, and postpartum space. Those, those are the types of companies that touch both touch medicine and touch other digital health companies and help them, um, help them grow and scale. So that's, that's who we look for when we invest. All right. So with, so that everyone understands sort of that, that perspective, let's, let's jump into Uber trends. So I know rock health, you also do advisory services and, and obviously because of the work that you do in these sort of investments, you have to know what's going on in digital health. So that's the beauty of this conversation and why I love having you as our guest. So let's talk those Uber trends. What, what, what's happening out there in the marketplace with, you know, quote unquote, digital transformation. Yeah. I mean, I think if I had to, um, if I had to boil it down to three things, um, I mean, one is, business model evolution. Um, so I think where we are today, such a different place than where we were when, um, you know, Hallie and, and, and Nate started off, we actually have proven business models. Um, you know, evidation in real world data, like their, their business model is there and folks are able to kind of build on the back of that. But now we're starting to see um, evolutions. And I think Julie Yu um, from uh, Andreessen uh, has said it best. Um, there's, there's increasingly space for things like B to C to B. Um, and, and I do think that in order to scale, um, 
a lot of uh, a lot of digital health is about engaging individuals in their own health and then showing the value of that to employers, health plans, whoever is paying the bills. Right. Uh, and, and so I think that evolution to being valued for what we do um, first by people living their lives as people and then by enterprise companies, that's, that's taking place at, at, at a greater speed than I would have expected. Um, there's a tension right now um, between interoperability and M&A. Which one's going to be easier? Um, so we have, and we talked about this earlier this week, um, we've gotten to the point where there's a thousand points of light. Unfortunately, it's very difficult to work with a thousand different uh, solutions. So um, I think the ability to either have a, a platform, um, and I know this is something that you're working on um, at Tech Mahindra, um, a platform that can in, integrate um, multiple digital health properties, um, that, that is, that's hard, yeah. you know, in the weeds work. Um, the alternative is if we don't want to be a point solution, let's acquire some other digital health companies. Yeah. And I think 2022 is full employment for iBankers, yeah. uh, in, inside the digital health ecosystem, um, because it, it it, it really is a a speed to being um, to being able to to fit in easily to um, customers' uh, operations it is so important. Um, and you know, it's either you're going to be easy or you're going to be bigger. Um, uh, and then the the third thing is, that that we've been really focused on is just the war for talent is, is, I mean, a number one or number two issue with every digital health CEO I talk to, um, and every health system, life science, uh, pharma company that I talk to around their digital teams. Uh, and, you know, I think clinical competency, uh, is an area where there's a real struggle um, and frankly, a lot of m a is um, you know not just buying um, buying a, a complementary asset, it's buying talent um, that you just can't find out there in the world. Um, you know product folks with a medical background do not grow on trees um, and so that that I think, um, you know, those, those three, um, uh, mega trends are, are ones that we're keeping in our, our eye on, not just from a research perspective, but from a practical perspective, when we're advising, you know, I like to say we, we invest in the little guys and advise the big guys and try and help them meet in the middle. Um, yeah. that's, those are, 
those are things that we're we're really um, uh, finding uh, are not just talk. It's it's really resonant uh, and yeah. and happening now. Yeah, that's super insightful. So I'm wondering, you know, Tom, as you mentioned, part of your organization, part of Rock Health, also does a lot of advisory services, and so. And, I, and obviously the answer to this will be somewhat similar, especially on the war on talent. But what, what are you finding the biggest pain points out there for some of the maybe maybe the health and life sciences sort of companies or health systems that, that you speak with? What are some of the, you know, maybe one or two pain points that they're dealing with aside from the war on talent? Yeah, um, I think there are two things um, that, uh, you know, all of the all of the individual engagements and and projects that we work on fit into um, one is how do we how do we make the choice and 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 actually implement um, doing traditional things differently um, so you know an, an example I would use is um, at a at a macro level, how do companies turn innovation uh, functions from push to pull? Um, so we're doing a lot of work educating, for example, market access leaders on how do you how do you get closer to um, the person uh, who's who's actually taking uh, you know your drug. Um, and there are digital, uh, capabilities that can get you closer to that, that end of the journey. Um, how do you pull from the innovation team? How can I do, how can I get there rather than have it pushed on you, um, and be a distraction from this is how I, I know how to do what I do. Um, that, that is a big strategic change. Um, the other set of changes, um, that we work on is choosing to do different things. Um, so, so, and those, those are very different, um, uh, different choices to do, to do the same things differently versus doing something different. And that's, um, you know, an example of that is serving people as their own caregivers. So, you know, I think health systems in particular, um, you know, the, the focus of care has always been the hospital or the clinic. Um, and, and for, for many organizations now the home, um, but the locus of care has always been a licensed medical professional. Um, I don't see a way forward where health systems don't engage people in their own self-care um, and, and see success. And so looking for not just the technology solutions, but the engagement um, uh, capabilities of getting people to actually um, engage in their health on a day-to-day basis, um, that is, uh, you know, a big challenge that 
that we are, um, you know, elbows deep in from day to day. Yeah, that's super interesting, you know, to understand what what the perspectives are in, you know, comparing them with, you know, we talked first sort of on on some of the what we're seeing out there in, in, in the trends and, and with some of these disruptive type companies and then the on the ground sort of, you know, the health and life sciences organizations and, and what they're grappling with in in dealing with and all the interplay between all those. Let's let's shift over to to the you know, obviously the companies that, that you, that you work with are obviously poised for disruption. There's some of these potentially disruptive companies that are going to be able to help with the things that we just spoke about. And so one of the things I was really curious about is what are some of the common traits that uh, these disruptive companies have? Cause you know, where I'm headed here is like, you know, trying to learn and audience trying to learn and thinking, Oh, those are, those are some key traits. And I should look at myself or my own organization and maybe we should adopt some of those traits. So that's sort of the heart of the question is, you know, what are some of the, again, commonalities that these successful disruptive companies have? So I think I, I might, um, might just take a, a company that I think is, is truly disruptive and talk about the, the traits that, yeah other companies like this one have. Um, and, and so, so a company that I think of as really disruptive, um, is Truepill. Um, and you know, I think what makes them disruptive is in, in the pharmacy, um, uh, deliver the pharmacy, uh, customer journey, they've identified where they're playing um, and they're, they're going to be really good at that. There's no confusion that true pill is going to open bricks and mortar. That's, that's not what they do. Right. Um, so they, you know, everyone in the world knows what true pill is good at. Um, and so they're actually a disruptor that is embraced by incumbents. Uh, you know, I, I, I think, you know, when, when you're kind of Intel inside for Optum, um, you, you've done a good job of disrupting yeah. the, the marketplace. Another thing about TruePill is that they're clinically competent, um, which is not to say that they are a, uh, provider, but they understand what job they have to do to help providers do their job and to do it legally um, with respect to privacy, with respect to, um, uh, with respect to how clinicians want to work um, with, uh, with their patients and with pharmacies. Um, And the last thing is that they create better choices for both people as consumers and companies um, who touch the um, prescription process. Um, you could try and rebuild, you could try and back out how TruePill works or you can just work with them and people are choosing to work with them. Um, yeah. so 
they're um, an example that, you know, those three things, um, you know, being really focused on the, the, the consumer journey, being clinically competent and making yourself a better choice than competing with you, that the, the folks who are going to be really successful disruptors will have those three um, characteristics. Yeah, Tom, that's a great case study. You know, those are very three clear points that could be attributed or that you could take and, and try to attribute to your own organization if you want to be a disruptor. Love it. Look, we talked about so much in a very short period of time. We talked about leadership. Then we talked just to set the foundation a little bit about Rock Health and what you do and that so we can understand your perspective on digital trends. And then, you know, this final piece where we talked about, wow, what are the the, the common traits of a disruptor and how we might apply them to the, ourselves or our own organization. Super, super rich. Tom, anything else that I may have missed in asking a question or anything that we wanted to double down on as we close? Um, you know, I think two things. One, um, when health system leaders and, uh, and other kind of enterprise leaders in healthcare are thinking about, you know, these disruptors versus their own vendors, um, I don't think it's, I'm going to work with a disruptor or I'm going to work with, um, you know, a vendor I, I know. I think it's more core, you know, what, what makes people choose me um, and context? How do I run my business, finance, right. uh, operations, etc.? Are you playing in, are, are, are you going to be a partner for me that actually expands the way that I do my core business. I, I get more customers. Um, or are you going to help me run my business more efficiently, effectively, um, reliably? Yeah. That's how to think about those relationships. And it's not immediately clear that a lot of the disruptors are thinking about how their customers um, uh, you know, differentiate between those two things. The only other thing I would say is a huge piece of what Rock Health is about um, is recognizing the fact that health equity, um, even in digital health, is a choice. Um, and right now, we're not making very good choices. Uh we look at lived experience um, and and see it as a bias in some of the investment decisions that are being made. We actually need to see lived experience bias in the BIPOC community, in the LGBTQ plus community, and harness that yeah. in the ways that we're making product and the ways we're investing. Um, we're never going to make progress otherwise. And when we think about health equity, we need to think of trust in um, traditionally marginalized communities as a hard asset. There are, there are people in the community that have it. Traditional healthcare and tech companies don't. How do you partner with 
those yes. trusted hard assets that are out there. The, those are those are two pieces of making health equity, um, making the choice to do something about health equity or to just wave at it as important. Um, and, and I don't, I wouldn't want to miss out on, on that piece of what's really kind of at the heart of what we're trying to accomplish at Rockwell. Yeah, Tom, that's an excellent way to end our time together. You know, that, that missional aspect is key for all of us to incorporate into the way we operate, the way we live. And so those are, those are wise words. Uh, now you can see, now my audience can understand why I gave Tom a promotion. Um, although, <laughs> should have talked to Bill first. Um, but Tom, thank you so much for, for being our guest. This has been fantastic. Thank you for having me. All right, that concludes another drop of Digital Voices. Look forward to chatting next time. Hi, this is John Lynn from the Healthcare IT Today podcast. If you like the latest rumors, insights, and happenings in healthcare IT, you'll enjoy hearing my colleague Colin Hung and myself debate and share the latest happenings from the world of healthcare IT. Find the latest episodes or dig into our archive at healthcareittoday.com or search for Healthcare IT Today on your favorite podcast application or YouTube. When it comes to healthcare technology, we love this stuff, and we can't wait to have you join in on the discussion of everything health IT. Thank you for listening to Digital Voices Podcast with Ed Marks. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe on your preferred streaming service and leave a rating and review. And most importantly, thanks again for listening.